Today I'm talking about something that comes from the book of Isaiah. Some reassuring promises we find there in the Bible. And uh, before we do that, before we even start, I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer so that we may be guided in this study by the Lord himself. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for this privilege that we have. And as we open up scripture now and read from your word and study your word, I ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit who assisted the biblical author to put these words down, that the Holy Spirit will also help us to understand the message you have for each and every one of us. I ask you, Lord, that you may anoint my lips, that you may cleanse me from any unrighteousness, for all my unrighteousness, and, and may I be used as your instrument, that the words that I say this morning, Lord, may not represent my own ideas, but the message that you have for us this morning. I ask you these blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So it's interesting that three weeks ago when I was here, I was talking about some of the calamities that had recently taken place. Right? So we had the, the hurricanes in the U.S. And it seemed that uh, it was one thing after the other, one thing after the other. And then I was away these three weeks on Sabbaths, and, and here we're back here again today, and talking about what happened in Edmonton, and talking about what happened in Las Vegas, and talking about things that maybe you didn't even hear about, something that happened in Brazil, for example, in a daycare facility there. It was something horrible, terrible. Uh, I'm not here to talk about negative things, but these are things we're seeing. And you see people on social media, even Christians, making comments, is this the end? How should we as Christians react to this? And uh, is, this, is this it? And so there are comforting words in the Bible. And we're going to read these words together here, if you will, with me. And then we'll try to find out what the Lord has for us. Please read with me. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. But you see, people are living in fear. People are living in fear. They, they, they live in a situation where you can't even believe that human beings are doing this. That reminds me of a passage. I don't know if you ever noticed this text in the Bible, in Jeremiah 6.15, where the Lord says, Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They didn't know how to blush. And when you think, you know, some things you see the human being doing and you think, well, uh, how come we came to that point? But people do some things, they don't even blush because of that. They are not even ashamed of what they are doing. And that fills people with fear and nobody has answers for this. And you talk to sociologists, you talk to anthropologists, you talk to psychologists... 
They don't have answers. Pundits scratch their heads. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Nobody seems to be able to produce the answers that people need to quell their panic. And governments tell people that they need to be sure that things are going to be under control. Everything is right. And self-help gurus tell you that, no, you must conquer your fears. That's what you need to do. And if you're able to conquer your fears, everything will be all right. But how is the God-fearing person supposed to live? How is the Christian supposed to live in this time? Well, I'm glad to tell you that the Lord does have a word for us in the Bible. The, the Lord does have something for us today. To help us to cope with fear. To help us to cope with the fears that come in our minds. Now let me ask you this. What is fear? So to begin with, what is fear? Uh, is fear sinful? Is fear a sin? Is fear just an emotion? Well, psychologists say that fear is an emotion. It's one of the emotions we have. There, there may be fear like love or anger or passion or a desire. Those are emotions we have. And the dictionary says this. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. And that is it. When you look at someone or something, when, you, when you're faced with a situation and you have the, the belief that that situation or that person is going to be harmful to you, it's going to inflict pain to you, or there is a threat, an evident threat, you are filled with fear. Now, many psychologists classify emotions. So fear is an emotion, right? They classify emotions as negative and positive. And they have classified fear as a negative emotion. So negative emotions produce immediate results. And it could be a pounding heart. It could be tense muscles, dryness of the mouth, cold sweat, butterflies in the stomach. Now, even though I think that teenagers probably think that the butterflies are a nice thing at the time they're falling in love. But there are other physical manifestations that happen when you're filled with fear. And long-time exposure to those symptoms can bring cardiac problem, problems or digestive complications. Fear is an emotion. And the issue is not necessarily with your emotions because we are emotional beings. That's how God created us to be. Jesus, uh, maybe five or six years ago, uh, there was a Sabbath school quarterly that the, the title at the top was Jesus Wept. And it dealt with human emotions. Jesus was a human being like you and I. Jesus wept. Jesus went through the same emotions that we do. So being a, an emotional being is not the ro a wrong thing. Because God made you with emotions. The problem is, what are you going to do with your emotions? What are you going to do as a result of your feeling those emotions? You know, there's a story of a 27-year-old man who was at the bus stop waiting for, for the bus. And there was 27 years old. And there was also this 59-year-old 59, 59 lady. And all of a sudden they started talking and the, the conversation turned into a discussion and turned into an argument. And at some point the young man 
turned to the lady, the 59-year-old lady, lady, and he yelled at her, saying, Why don't you show me some respect? And the lady picked up the phone, and, and she was just about to die 911 to call the police, and the young man <coughs> hit her in the face. And there was another man, a 63-year-old man, who came to the rescue and tried to find out what, what was going on. And the young man had a folder in his hand and he hit the man with the folder. And in the process of hitting the man with the folder, the folder fell down on the floor and the man ran away. Now they called the police, the police came and they tried to figure out who the man was and they finally found the man. The man was someone who was going to school, was going to a, 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 a session rather. And it was an anger management session he was going to. And the folder was filled with papers and his homework. Now, uh, some people may laugh at that. But, you know, on the positive side, he was, he was seeking help. And that's something good. Because he knew he had an anger problem and he was trying to be cured. But it was not a good thing when he lost it. When he lost his temper. And, and hit those two people. And so... The emotions will come. We are emotional people, emotional beings. What we are going to do as a result of those emotions is the problem. I'm glad then that God does not judge us because of our emotions. We'll be judged by what we do and not by what we feel as, as emotional beings. Remember that the Bible has a verse in Ephesians 4.26. Actually, the same verse, the same text is also uh, found in Psalm chapter 4, verse 4. And in Ephesians 4.26, Paul says, Be angry and do not sin. So there is a way to be angry. There is a way to experience anger. And it may be even a righteous anger, if you will. Because when Jesus came to the temple and he saw the temple being over, uh, being uh, messed up by the, the, the merchants there. He felt that righteous indignation. And he acted upon it. So one can be indignant. And at the same time do not commit any sin. So it's the way you respond to emotions you have. That could or could not be the, prob the problem. Let me show you in the Bible that God does not judge us for our emotions. I'm not talking that God, God may not judge us for our thoughts, but I'm saying that God does not judge us for our emotions. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 to 11, this is when Adam and Eve had sinned, had just committed the first sin. And God comes to talk to them. And you remember, God comes and says, Adam, where are you? And what did Adam say? Lord, I heard, you, I heard the sound of you approaching in the garden, and I... What's the first thing he says? I was? I was afraid. That's the first thing he says. Well, I heard the sound of you coming and I was afraid. And you can check that out in Genesis 3, 9 through 11. I was afraid because I was naked. And what did I do? I, I hid. And so God comes to Adam and God says, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the fruit? So God didn't come to Adam and said, why were you afraid? You were going to be condemned and cursed because you were afraid. But who told you you were naked? 
And then God says when God pronounces judgment upon uh, the serpent and Eve and Adam, He does that because they had not obeyed His commandments. But not because He was, he was, felt with, he was uh, filled with fear. And so God would not condemn. Even when Jesus was with the disciples in the boat and Jesus was sleeping down, remember, and there was a storm and the disciples was, were desperate. And the disciples come to Jesus and that's, that's what Mark adds in his description, Mark chapter 4. And Mark says that the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that we are going down? And so they were afraid, which was fine. But they should never have come to Jesus with that question. Were, this, were they questioning the Lord's faithfulness? Lord, don't you care that we're going down? And the Lord says, why are you afraid? Oh, man of ye, uh, ye of little faith. And so Jesus was, Jesus was rebuking them because they were not exercising faith. But our emotions will come and, and play in our minds. Because we are emotional beings. We saw this already. But the episode with Adam and Eve, and, and Adam is the one who is cited there in, in Genesis 3, 9 through 11, reminds me that one of the reasons why people have fear in life is because of a sense of guilt and shame. And guilt is said to be one of the most painful and incapacitating emotional experiences. Guilt may cause shame Fear, sorrow, anger, distress, and even physical illness. But I tell you today that there is, there is a solution that God has provided for your sense of guilt. And you know some people, a story is told of a lady who every day, every day she would come to church and ask forgiveness for her sins and specifically for a sin she had committed 20 years ago. And she came one day to the pastor and said, Pastor, I still, I still am not convinced that the Lord has forgiven me. So I'm feeling guilty of something I did 20 years ago. It was a terrible thing. And the pastor said, do you really trust God? Do you trust that God can really forgive you? Because if you do, either you do or you don't. Because if you do, you ask forgiveness and you believe that the Lord has forgiven you. And it is so. And so guilt can consume you. Guilt can bring shame, can bring the sense of distress. But the Lord has a solution for you. The Lord has a plan for you. Now remember that fear may be caused by guilt and shame. But none of us can actually remember. I mean, I can't. Maybe some of you can. But I don't think any of us can actually remember the first time we had the sense of fear in our lives. Can you remember when it was the first time you were afraid? I can't. Now, uh, psychologists say, developmental psychologists, they say that it has been confirmed that infants from early life, they face definite fears, mostly of going hungry and of sharp noises. So even infants, they develop this fear mostly of going hungry and of sharp noises. Other things may also bring fear to children. Uh, it was a Sabbath. This was, uh, this was 13 years ago, 12 or 13 years ago. I was going to church on a Sabbath morning. For some reason, uh, for some reason, our vehicle was not available that Sabbath. And this was back in Brazil. 
And so uh, our daughter, uh, Lara, she was, she was a newborn baby still. And so that Sabbath, Sandra was going to stay home with her. And I was going to church with Vinny. And we didn't have a car, like I said, so we took public transportation. Now, we lived far from the church, and there was these uh, uh, vans, these minivans that transported people. And so we got into one of them, and we started the journey. Now, there is a tunnel going to the church. There is a tunnel, rather, going to the church. And, and for some reason that day, there was no lights in the tunnel. I don't know why. It was pitch dark, pitch dark. And it is a long tunnel. It's probably four, three or four kilometers long, very long. And so the van is, the driver is going there, and I'm sitting next to Vinny here. The van is full of people. And after, you know, a few seconds of darkness, and after a longer time, and, and everyone was quiet, but the driver is going forward, and I hear a voice saying, Papai? And Papai in Portuguese is Daddy? Daddy, and, and so I had my hand on his shoulder. I put my hand on his shoulder and said, yes, I'm here. And you know, I can tell you, and I don't know if my son can say that he was afraid or not. Probably he was. Probably he needed some reassurance that I was still next to him because he couldn't see anything. And so this is something that uh, we all go through. There are certain things that brings us fear, that bring us fear. And it's not only as infants, even as we grow up. It's your first day in school, right? You don't know what's going to happen. You're filled with fear. Maybe you forgot about that already. It's been a long time ago. But when you go to, the, to, to school for the first time, when you change schools, you go to a new school, well, you don't know what's going to happen there. And you're filled with fear. And then you finish elementary school, you go into high school, you don't know what waits for you there. And then you grow up and there are other fears that come your way. You're afraid of your parents' divorce, whether or not they're going to separate. You don't know how life is going to be. You have the fear, fear of not gr growing up. You have fear of rejection. You move into college. You don't know what, what lays ahead, lies ahead for you there. You're afraid of what's going to happen. You're afraid of not finding a suitable partner for life. You're afraid of getting your first job, and then we get it, you're afraid of what's going to happen there. And then another job comes your way, which seems more promising, and you're afraid of leaving this one and applying for the other one. You don't know what's, what waits for you there. And then you move to another country, you move to another city, you move to another place, you're afraid you don't know what's going to happen. You grow and you're afraid of terrorist attacks. You don't know how you spend your retirement years if you'll be able to maintain yourself. And that's not even to talk about existential issues. The fear of death that people have. The fear of being alive and not understanding what life is about. The fear of joining a religion. The fear of making a spiritual decision. decision. The fear of changing religions. The fear of joining a church, a specific church. All those fears consume people. A story is told that a gentleman was traveling one day, one night, actually. He was going to, to London on a train. And lo and behold, he looks to his side and he finds out that he has two companions. And the two companions that were with him were fear and plague. This is a legend, not a true story. Fear and plague were traveling with him to London. 
and he tried to, try to find out why they were going to London that night. And Plague said to him, oh, we are going to kill 10,000 people there in London tonight. And the man looks at Plague and says, are you really going to do that? Are you going to do all that killing? And Plague tells him, no, 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 no. I'm going to kill just a few hundred. The other fear will kill. And that's how it is. It's fear upon fear upon fear that people heap upon themselves. And they know how, don't know how to deal with that. But trust in God. The joy of salvation. The assurance of salvation and redemption. Are key factors that can help you live a life that looks into the future with confidence. Which brings us back to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 verses 1 to 2. You see that the Bible says here. The Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. The Lord created you. O Jacob, the Lord formed you, O Israel. And you know, we read this text, and we think, and we think with reason, that the Lord is speaking to Israel, to the people of Israel. And that's true. He's talking to the nation of Israel. Now, what we may not perceive, because it is English that we're reading here, is that the word you, it could be either singular or plural, right? But in this case here, in this chapter, when you find the word you in the Hebrew, it is actually singular. So the Lord is speaking to the people of Israel, but he's talking to each one of them individually. And so this message comes down through the ages and it comes down to you and I here today. And the Lord is not speaking only to the Belleville Seventh-day Adventist Church. The Lord is speaking to you. The Lord is speaking to me. Here now, you Israel. And God even uses the name of Jacob, the personal name of the man, Jacob. He says, I created you. I formed you. I shaped you. Whatever you are in life, I gave it to you. And you know, we, we sometimes boast on our accomplishments. It could be a degree. It could be a new house. It could be a new car. It could be the family, the beautiful family we've, we've been able to build. But the Lord is saying, not only I created you, everything you have, everything you've been able to build in this life, I shaped it up for you. I did it. And the Lord says, fear not. Fear not, because I have redeemed you. And think about the word redemption. Think about the word redemption. Well, the idea that comes to mind when a shepherd is... When a shepherd goes out to redeem a, a lamb, to redeem a, a, his sheep, is because he's going to rescue them, rescue the animal from a, a difficult situation. And that's what the Lord is saying to us. You have no reason to fear because I have redeemed you. And now we may think only of the cross. Yes, Jesus came, he became a man, and he went all the way down to the cross and he gave his life for, for us. And praise the Lord for that. But the Lord is day after day after day working to redeem you, 
to redeem you from the sense of guilt, to redeem you from shame, to redeem you from this burden that is in your mind of something maybe you committed a while ago. God is able to redeem you from sin and from rebellion and from all the attached problems that come with it, including the sense of guilt, the sense of shame. And the Bible says that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Do you remember a situation where the people of Israel went through the waters? Remember the Red Sea crossing? They crossed the Red Sea. It was, it was totally dry. And they walked and they went. And as they reached the other, uh, the other bend of the, the, the sea, the other margin of the sea, and as their persecutors was just, were just there in the midst of the sea, they, were, they drowned because the waters came upon them. And so the Lord is saying, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. So Isaiah is not talking here about anything that was uh, impossible because it had happened already. And so the same message comes to you today. You know, sometimes we fear too much because the Lord has consistently showed you that He is able. The Lord has consistently taken you, delivered you from difficult situations. And so He's saying, whatever you go through, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Had the people of Israel been through the rivers? Hadn't they crossed the Jordan River already? And so the Lord is saying, just remember that. I will be with you. The waters will not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. Now this hadn't happened yet. But the three Hebrew young men, who were thrown into the furnace of fire, into the fiery furnace. They were delivered by someone who was right in there with them. I will be with you. You shall not be burned. The flame shall never ever consume you. Now see what the text is saying here in verse 2. The Bible says, When, when you go, when you walk through the waters. The Bible is not saying if you walk through the waters. If one day it happens that you face a difficult situation. If one day you see yourself in a difficult position. That's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying when. It is not if. So it means that those situations will come. Those situations will come. But whenever, whenever, whenever they come. Whenever that happens, you can count on Him. Because He says, I will be with you. You know, a certain preacher once said, Christians, Christ followers, they also contract malaria. They also bury their own children. They also battle addictions. And as a result of that, they also face fears. So it is not the absence of fears that sets us apart as Christians. It is not the absence of deep waters that will make our life successful. It's not the absence of widening rivers. It's not the absence of burning fire that will set Christians aside. It is God with us and in the midst of it all that will make the difference. 
So the Lord is calling you today to a life of full assurance with Him. If the problem is guilt, if the problem is sin, He has a solution for that. But if the problem are just the circumstances around you, He also has a solution for that. He has already provided. And He just invites you to come and rest upon Him. And rest upon His promises that He will be with you. A couple of years ago, a little over a couple of years ago, when I first joined this church, I came here my first Sabbath, and I met someone here in this church with such a contagious smile. Someone who would always, from that first time on, every time that person would meet me, they would look at me and with that contagious smile say, How are you doing, Pastor Evaldo? And the way the person spoke Evaldo was so round, so full. That make me want to, to hear that accent all the time. How are you doing, Pastor Rivaldo? And uh, sadly, that person is no longer with us here today. Because over these two years, her health uh, went down. And eventually, we lost her in April of this year. But I remember clearly, I was there in the hospital in Kingston. And I was visiting with her, and I'm looking at her, and her family is around her. And she looks at me, and she says, Pastor Rivaldo, there's something I must tell you. There's something I must tell you. I don't want anyone feeling sorry for me. And this is what she said. Because I am not afraid. And she repeated it three times. Pastor Rivaldo, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. And so what makes a person like Helen Belly? Knowing that there was no cure for her disease at that point. To say that she was not afraid. She was not afraid of death. She was not afraid of anything that future might hold for her. Because she had this assurance that God was with her. And that at the other end, when she wakes up on resurrection morning, the first person she will see will be our dear Lord Savior Jesus Christ. So there is nothing to fear. There is nothing to fear. So I invite you to renew your trust in the Lord today. I invite you to live through this experience of resting upon God's promises. Trusting Him. And knowing that, knowing that whenever bad things happen, because they will happen, He will see you through. May the Lord bless us all today and always. Amen.